You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadian's Connection Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged and entertained. Uh, Hello. Welcome to you all. My name is Amy Johnson. I will be your host for the next hour. I'm guesting today, uh, sitting in for Michael Spinella uh, and uh, glad to be here with you. Uh, This is episode 233 of the Canadians Connection podcast. And of course, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, founder, and president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? And glad to have you in the hosting chair this week. It's funny that this worked out that this is now two years in a row that I'm here for the post-trade deadline breakdown. Post-mortem of the trade yeah. deadline. Yeah, breaking it all down. Everybody oh. just likes to hear me crab and complain. Really? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> is, is that? Well, if you want to hear Amy Crabbe, 5853 Rocket. That's yeah. right. Um, that's right. I thought I thought people were complaining about the weather because another uh, snow clouds in, in, in Montreal. Um, expected 15 centimeters of snow, but not that phenomenon called thunder snow. Thunder, thunder snow. snow. Yeah, apparently there was thunder snow. See any around here, but AC, um, I always think of ACDC every time. <laughs> well, from Kitchener to K- Kingston, thunder snow was reported. That phenomenon where you get a, the combination of a blizzard and, and thunder and lightning, which, which is, is really cool to yeah. see. Mm-hmm. I've only we've, seen it a couple of times. Yeah, but. I think once we had it here in Pennsylvania, just once, and it was like, okay, that's a little creepy, but. Yeah, it's odd. Really it's odd. Really, it's really Just bizarre. throw everything at you all at once. So regardless of what your weather is like, it's the perfect uh, it's perfect opportunity to just uh, make a cup of coffee, make a cup of tea, pour a beverage, however mm-hmm. you're feeling today, and uh, listen to the Canadians Connection podcast, which is what we're going to do today. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to, of course, get you all caught up with the latest uh, goings on with the Canadians and their and their game performances from the last week get you update on the roster in terms of injuries and transactions and so forth. Uh, I've got a bit of uh, some news for you as far as the Habs prospect report goes, the Laval Rocket uh, and uh, players in the CHL and the NCAA. Uh, and just, you know, just a little bit of news from around the league this week. And then, of course, 
what we're all, we've all been waiting for. It's like we all take this deep <sighs> sigh after 3 o'clock p.m. on the trade deadline, and everyone's had a chance to digest it a bit. Uh, everyone has slept on it a bit, and our big topic segment in uh, the second segment, of course, is going to be our Canadians trade deadline wrap-up. We're going to talk about uh, league-wide. Rick and I are just going to discuss a bit of, of kind of the winners and losers of the trade deadline overall for the NHL and then examine um, some of the moves. Uh, I'm sorry, move. One move. That the Canadians One trade. really, uh, really made uh, and and talk a little bit about, uh, kind of take a look at the, the future of of. Uh, looking forward into the rest of the season as well. And then, of course, in our third segment, we're going to get up to speed on all the things that you need to know. Uh, we've got a great question of the week for you that we're very much looking forward to hearing uh, your responses to. And we'll get you all set and ready to go for another uh, exciting week of hockey at your normally scheduled time, not Late nights. <laughs> late nights, yeah, late <laughs> nights this past week. We're done with that for now. Um, so before we get started, I just want to remind everyone this is an interactive podcast. Rick joked about it a second ago, but it is the real deal. Uh, if you have something to say, if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, some feedback, you can text us at any time via the Rocket Sports text line. Of course, that's 5853-ROCKET. Again, that's 5853-ROCKET. Uh, and of course, be sure to follow us at Habs, uh, excuse me, at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Oh, and while you're there, make sure you subscribe. Love the text that uh, we get at Rocket Sport, at, at Rock, the Rocket Sports text line, 5853 Rocket. But uh, you're getting texts that just with a letter, like D. I'm assuming that's that's, that's a grade. Waiting. That was um, a comment on my YouTube uh, show this week. Just B. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and we'd love to hear um, what more you have to say. So for sure, yeah. give us a grade. But why? Well, yeah. Sure. Show your work. There you go. That's that's I. There's nothing I hated my math teacher saying, and I'm saying this to you because I know you're a maths guy. Uh -huh. The worst thing a math teacher could say, show your work. Well, I don't want to. Because I don't know how I did it. Just <laughs> pulled a number out of the air. Um, all right. Well, as I said, uh, we're done with the late night games. And thank goodness for that. Admittedly, uh, the games this week for the Canadians were too late for this uh, lady who gets very sleepy <laughs> at a very certain time. So I was lucky if I saw maybe a period um, I'm sure others out there can relate. But I'm sure others can also relate to the fact that we are all grateful for your wonderful full recaps at allhabs.net because you can wake up the next day, go to allhabs.net, read the full recap when you know exactly what happened. There you go. Um, and so what did happen? Well, uh, of course, there was um, the Ottawa game <laughs> uh, at, at, at the Bell Center. Uh, that did not uh, that did not go in. Let's just say that didn't go in Montreal's favor. That was a 5-2 uh, loss to the Ottawa Senators who... It'll be interesting the next time the Canadians play uh, their their rivals from just down the road with uh, Jacob Chickering going to be in the lineup now. That was uh, it was it was close for for a while. Um, Sam Montembeau looked pretty shaky throughout in this. Uh, gave up two goals on nine shots uh, by the end of the second period, and then the wheels fell off in the third period for the Canadians. Uh, where Ottawa scored three times and and uh, cruised to the the five two win. That's for sure. 
Uh, then they headed out on their California swing. Um, got their their first game was in San Jose, and that was the only win that they had for the week. Uh, Caden Gooley returned to the lineup on this night. Also scored a goal. It was his third of the season. Um, Yessa Ullinen getting in on the action with the game winner uh, before Christian Dvorak uh, kind of put put a seal sealed the deal with that with that third goal. But it was a uh, nice to see Caden Gooley back in the lineup uh, and getting on the score sheet right away. First star for Jake Allen in, in this game, who made 38 saves and, and looked very, very good. Fast forward a couple of nights, and they've now moved to L.A. This was, of course, after the surprise trade of Jonathan Quick. Um, and Montreal not able to come out with the win on this one. This was uh, Gurionov's second game with the Canadians, but he scored his first goal with Montreal. It was also his third of the year. Um, and it was it was the week of defensemen returning because Edmondson got back in the lineup uh, on this night as well. Yeah, and it was handy that he was back. The The Canadians went with 11 forwards, seven defensemen, uh, Joel Edmondson back, but then Justin Barron left the game with uh, an upper body injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, again, this was a, um, a second start in a row for Jake Allen, and he was really, really good in this one. Sam Montembeau got the start in Anaheim the following night. You know, it was it was kind of like the 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 trio for trade deadline day on a Friday. Plus the Habs have a ten o'clock. Plus the Habs playing on a Friday, which usually doesn't happen. And it was a ten o'clock game, so it was like the trifecta of blech <laughs> on Friday. Um, so it was Sam Montembeau who got the start uh, on on Friday night. Montreal, again, only being able to muster two goals on this one. Anaheim uh, going ahead and and winning this one 3-2. to two. And, of course, uh, everyone talking about how elated Jonathan Drouin was to <laughs> score his first goal of the season. And it's been a while. It's been a while since Mr. Drouin has lit the lamp. It's been over a year, actually. January 1st, 2022. So that's 15 months since his last goal. Um, I just don't understand why no one wanted to trade for him. Yeah, I guess I guess now that uh, you know he was so worried he was going to be traded at the trade de- deadline, all pressure was off, and he was able to uh, just play freely. And, Maybe he and was score just intentionally not scoring so that he wouldn't get <laughs> traded. But uh, this game, uh, the Canadians, they they had nothing. They looked drained both physically and emotionally. Um, one high danger scoring chance in the final forty minutes of the game, mm. and uh, yeah, that's it, effective. And and special teams, um, they went zero for three in the power play. Uh, the Ducks went two for three on their power play and uh, ended up with the win. So the Canadians now sitting with a record of 26-32-4, still leaving them 26th in the NHL uh, on a two-game losing streak. And they've got one more to play this weekend, but it won't be on Saturday Saturday night. A rare Saturday off. Rare mm-hmm. Saturday off. So be sure uh, to check out, of course, uh, the features and Habs notepad happening over at uh, allhabs.net. And as I mentioned, of course, uh, those terrific game recaps after each and every game. Moving on to the roster, uh, we kind of already covered a couple of these things, but we'll just kind of go through all of the official updates. Yoel Armia didn't travel on on this Western road trip. He's day-to-day with an upper respiratory infection. That doesn't sound very fun at all. 
Apparently it's non-COVID, but uh, it's kept him out uh, for uh, longer than I think many of us expected. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Doc out indefinitely with a lower body injury. Yeah, that's not good news. And and this was isn't this the he this was, he had a non-covid related illness and then suddenly it turned into a lower body injury. A virus that became a lower body injury. And yeah. Did bizarre. you did you cough so hard that you know you threw something out of whack in your hip? I mean, it's, it's The very- explanation from the medical staff is that they were investigating the symptoms of the virus uh, and found this lower body injury. So I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if you want to know what the latest is on um, the progression, timeline, prognosis of Sean Monahan, we'll join the club because no one knows. <laughs> no word, nothing. Uh, interesting that there was nothing in the medical report. Of course, the medical report came out prior to the trade deadline and there was just radio silence. Uh, it wasn't until... Um, the Kent Hughes oppressor post trade deadline where he said that um, he, he doesn't know that um, that uh, it's it's unclear whether Sean Monahan will be able to play again this season. That's encouraging. That's <laughs> wasn't wasn't this supposed to be the year of transparency? Better transparency. The the interesting thing again there is that um, uh, that that he appears to have recovered from the foot injury that kept him out, um, but that he was he it's a new injury uh, that he experienced uh, while rehabbing. Um, so that sounds rather rather odd as well for so, uh, the medical staff. I was going to say uh, eyebrows raised at the medical and rehab staff how do you let that happen um and that's not you know just quickly side note that's not the first time that we've kind of said that raising the eyebrow Mm -hmm. at the medical staff this season you know you think about um was it chris weidman who had an injury but went and played on the skills competition on that sunday or something like that i mean making some questionable questionable decisions um Arbor Jacki done for the season. Uh, they are shutting him down. He's going to go uh, to Colorado to undergo season-ending surgery on his right shoulder uh, this coming week. Um, yeah, actually, you know, it's it must have been like a buy one get one fifty percent off deal at <laughs> Cole Caulfield's uh, orthopedic surgeon because he's going to the same uh, surgeon in Denver, Doctor Peter J. Uh, Millet, and uh, he's going to undergo. Uh, same kind of surgery on the same shoulder that Caulfield just did. So better to get it done now so that he can start the road to recovery and get back in shape. One of the best sports surgeons uh, for this kind of, of uh, operation and uh, go where, where you're going to get the best treatment Caulfield did. And, and now Jack, I uh, will as well. Lots of questions about why not, why not Quebec? Um, <laughs> there's, there's an enormous, as we've said in previous shows, 39,000, um, uh, a backup uh, list, waiting list uh, for orthopedic surgeries right now in Quebec. So um, this this is he'll be best served uh, going there, and and we wish him well with his recovery. The expectation is that he'll be ready for um, next season. Absolutely. Uh, as we mentioned, Caden Gooley did return to the lineup this week uh, against San Jose. That meant that Corey Schooneman's services were no longer needed, and so that defenseman was reassigned to the Laval Rocket, and he has been back in the lineup for them this week. 
and we also mentioned that Joel Edmondson uh, returned to the lineup versus the Kings. He did uh, say that he he was healthy enough that he could have played in uh, the game against San Jose, but his conditioning wasn't quite there yet, so he opted for two more days of practice to get his conditioning back up to par uh, and, and chose to come back against the LA Kings. Uh, and then, of course, last Sunday, um, what we all thought was the start of the trading week for Kent Hughes, uh, we didn't realize it was going to be the start and the finish, essentially, uh, was uh, forward Evgeny Dadunov being traded to the Dallas Stars in return for Denis Gurionov. Uh, but the Montreal Canadiens did retain 50% of Dadunov's salary. Now, we are going to talk about this kind of more of an analytical way uh, coming up in the second segment, but just wanted to, since it does pertain to the roster, uh, Dadnoff out, Gurionov in. And I'll just say that both players are um, in, on expiring contract in, in, in different ways. Right. Um, that uh, Dadnoff obviously a UFA at the end of the season, and uh, Gurionov is um, an RFA at the end of the season. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, that takes care of the NHL roster. Why don't we take a look at what's going on in the Habs prospect report? This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Performances for the Laval Rocket have been up and down... For the last two months, I mean, they were they were essentially down for the first two months of the season. Uh, the last two months, they've kind of uh, found some renewed en- energy, found a bit of cohesiveness, and found some ways to get some wins. Um, and that's been the case this past week as well. They they finished their road trip um, last weekend uh, with a visit to Toronto, uh, where the Marlies, who've been leading the North Division, uh, have beat them three to two in that one. Uh, and that was coming off of a game where they got pretty well trounced by Rochester on the road in Rochester. Uh, and this week Rochester came to town and, and played at Place Bell for two games, Wednesday night and Friday night. And this time, you know, the whole series with, with Rochester and Laval this year has really gone back and forth and been very even. And this time it was, uh, Laval getting two wins. Uh, the Wednesday night game was a complete kind of just there wasn't much goaltending. It was a seven to five win over the Amherst, uh with Malcolm Subban in net and Caden Primo in net. Uh, and then on Friday night, Rochester had a comfortable three to nothing lead uh, and they completely blew it. Uh, Ra- uh, Laval coming back to to tie things up with just over a minute left in regulation and eventually went on to win it in overtime. So um Overall in the league, Laval is sitting 22nd overall in the AHL. However, because of the play-in round of the playoffs, uh, they are technically in a playoff position, and they are they're battling with the likes of Rochester, Cleveland, and Belleville to to hang on to to that spot. Toronto is is uncatchable at this point, and Syracuse and Utica. Uh, in third and second places, respectively, have have kind of started to open up a gap and pull away from from the bottom four teams. So it'll be uh, it'll be kind of fascinating to see how things move forward from here. It's amazing to me uh, when you look at the 
uh, it's a real Jekyll and Hyde situation. The the, the Laval rocket, their numbers on the road are terrible in in almost every category. Yes. And and at home at Place Bell, they're almost unbeatable. It's 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 really, really um, stark. The difference between the 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 team, the way it plays at home uh, versus on the road. And, And, you know, there's still lots of time, as you said, there's um, uh, there's still a playoff race going on. And it's yet to be seen how the 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 various NHL, the, the moves made by the NHL teams at the deadline are going to affect uh, this playoff race mm-hmm. in the uh, in the AHL, but that's something to watch as well. Um, there will be a change to the lineup for Laval uh, next week. Um, well, in addition to the to the roster and the lineup next week, uh, they're already missing the services of forward Nate Schnarr. Um, you know, people will say, "Oh, wait, but Kent Kent Hughes made a made a trade on on trade deadline day." Well, it was an AHL trade. It's 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 not something that affects. The Montreal Canadiens, nor will it ever affect the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he traded away Laval Rocket forward Nate Schnarr, uh, and in return got defenseman Frederick Allard from the Ontario Reign. Um, Frederick Allard is a is a is a pretty decent uh, AHL defenseman. Uh, that's likely his ceiling, but he'll come in and kind of beef up the back end uh, for Laval a bit, where which is a place that they've been struggling because of all of the call ups uh, to to Montreal. So. Nate Schnarr already out of the lineup. Uh, Allard is not going to arrive in town until Sunday, so he will report to the team on Monday and be available next week. Um, Speaking of being available, two players uh, were uh, papered on Friday, meaning uh, Kent Hughes on paper completed a transaction to send Yesse Ullinen and Raphael Harvey-Pinard quote-unquote down to the AHL, but it was kind of in name only. It's it's the it's the methodology of making sure uh, that those players are eligible to play in the AHL at any point after the trade deadline. Uh, and so, uh, yes, Ulanin, Harvey Pinard would would both be uh, valuable assets for Lavard, uh, Laval uh, down the stretch, and if they do make the postseason. And so, by putting them on paper, sending them down to Laval made them eligible to do that, and and then they were immediately kind of recalled again. So as far as Allard, he is, he's played one game in, in the national hockey league. He, he is an AHL player um, and is, is there for the AHL. Nate Schnarr also, I mean, Nate is, is only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, we're talking about trade deadlines. Nate Schnarr was acquired uh, by by uh, the Canadians at the last uh, trade deadline um, for the Hamburglar, uh, Andrew Hammond traded to New Jersey uh, for Nate Schnarr. And I, I think Nate Schnarr was the kind of guy, um, again, only 24 years old, but um, he's he, he was seen as a leader on the team mm-hmm. and a guy that could be um, plugged into a whole number of, of different roles. Um, so he'll be missed, and uh, but uh, in in flipping that uh, Nate Schnarr from last year, uh, they get some defensive help. As you mentioned, uh, the the paper transactions, um, the the after the the trade deadline, NHL teams are allowed four recalls. So um, the Canadians have used two of their their recalls, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and. 
that that I think it's uh, um, going to be a help for uh, both uh, for the Laval Rockets to have both uh, Ullinen and Harvey Pennard ready for the playoffs should they should they make that it that far. Absolutely. So the Rockets uh, have. With the Canadians having a rare Saturday night off, that means the Laval Rocket have a rare Saturday night home game uh, where they will be hosting the Rockford Ice Hogs tonight. Now, that is the Chicago Blackhawks AHL affiliate. It's the first time these teams have met this season. Um, who to watch in that game? Well, uh, Cameron Hillis will be back. Uh, he's um, actually spent uh, some time in the ECHL, but he's up with, with the Rockford Ice Hogs, so he'll be in town. Um, but Chicago just traded uh, for Anton Kudobin, so he could be in net uh, against the Laval Rocket, as well as another big trade that that Chicago did for for the Ice Hogs was acquiring Rocco Grimaldi. So could be a very fun and entertaining game for Laval fans on Saturday night. Uh, and then next week they finish this uh, home stint with uh, a game against the Be- Belleville Senators before they head out on the road to Syracuse. And we know how that always goes. <laughs> um, as far as the CHL and the NCAA, Rick, uh, Habs prospects still making waves in both of those leagues. For sure. Um, Joshua Waugh had a goal and an assist um, as Sherbrooke uh, beat Charlottetown 7-2. to um, That was on Friday night. And uh, so Joshua Waugh with uh, 74 points, in 45 games, uh, there's been some injuries. Uh, Jared Davidson is is injured with Seattle right now. Uh, he's at 72 points, just two behind uh, Joshua Waugh. But it's it's been the Riley Kidney show ever since the CHL tra- trade deadline. The games played are evening out now. Um, so Riley Kidney um, ha- is 17 points above Joshua Waugh and um, running away with with the Canadians uh, scoring race in the CHL at 91 points. Uh, over in uh, the NCAA, Lane Hudson, well, he had uh, two goals, his 11th and 12th of the year, um, as uh, Boston University beat Providence College. And uh, he has 41 points on the year in 32 games. Sean Farrell, uh, 29, uh, 47 points in 29 games. And uh, the NCAA, as we know, is um, is is getting close to their playoff season. Mm-hmm. They are, and that's always a very exciting time as we kind of inch closer to the frozen, frozen four, um, and and that championship run. So uh, be sure to read all of the content at ahlreport.com. We've got game recaps for all of the Laval Rocket games there. Uh, listen and subscribe to the Press Home podcast as well. I'll mention two things before we leave. Uh, this section of of the first segment. Uh, One is that uh, the AHL trade deadline is not until next Friday, March 10th. So we could still see uh, some roster movement or transactions take place for AHL contracts uh, throughout the week. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. We talked about that, uh, Rick and I did with Patrick Williams on the latest episode of The Press Zone. Uh, and also, um, for anyone who might have missed this, um, good luck and congratulations and have fun to everyone in Cleveland today. Uh, the AHL hosting an outdoor game uh, 
this nice. afternoon. Uh, the Cleveland Monsters hosting the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, that game is likely already underway this afternoon. It's a daytime 1 p.m. start, um, and so always exciting when the AHL gets to take part in some outdoor game celebrations as well. Um, all right, so uh, finally, before we head to uh, our commercial break, just want to briefly talk about some some notes from around the league. We're going to talk about uh, how how the league performed overall at, in the trade deadline uh, in the next segment, which really takes up the bulk of the news uh, that we would normally cover in this segment. Um, one thing that we could discuss as far as the trade deadline in this segment, though, is... Uh, the television broadcast coverage um, for for this year. Um, TSN, of course, was on the clock right away at 8 a.m., much to the chagrin, I think, of Duffy and the crew, who, as they watched their entire uh, broadcast day, just melt away and whittle away to nothing as all the trades went down throughout the week. Um, they still did an admirable job. It's a lot of time to fill when there's not trades happening. Um, and, uh, I thought they did a, thought they did a pretty commendable, uh, commendable job. Yeah. With both, um, with both TSN and, and Sportsnet, Sportsnet waited a couple hours. They didn't come on the air until 10, uh, as you said, TSN at 8 AM. Um, and ESPN was carrying, uh, TSN's, uh, uh coverage, Right. Uh, at that point, for the morning anyway. And the NHL network carried the Sportsnet coverage at 10. Th- that's right. Um, and and so uh, both TSN and Sportsnet, a, a cast of thousands with the number of, of people that they bring in as um, as commentators and, and analysts uh, is pretty impressive, uh, actually. Uh, but but here, um, you know, J- James Duffy is is always the one who um, is fretting about filling all of the all of that airtime <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, you noted in exchange, um, Bill Armstrong had uh, from the the GM of, of of was it Bill Armstrong? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Arizona <laughs> had said, uh, "Yeah, we're just trying to." What, what's uh, he was asked? What's with all these trades ahead of the trade deadline? And uh, he said, "We're just trying to mess with a couple of hours uh, of of coverage on Friday." <laughs> and it was Duffy that that answered him. Nine, Billy, nine, <laughs> William. Nine hours. <laughs> it's not a few. It's nine. Yeah. Um. And and let's. Uh, we should say right up front. This year was uh, different than any other. Yes. Than any other trade deadline. Trade deadline day itself was painful. Uh. There was <laughs> there was forty three trades prior to Friday. 43 trades. Is that more than usual? Yes. yes. Our dear friends at Cap Friendly say that they look through their records the most in any year, the maximum in any year prior to the final day of trade deadline is 20. So more than double uh, the number of trades. The trades were getting done early and, and there was a, there was a bit of a m- momentum to it uh, yeah. during the week on the Tuesday and Wednesday uh, and even Thursday. So, uh, very few trades. I think the number is 19. Um, and the first trade was uh, just after 9 o'clock uh, with uh, Detroit sending uh, Jacob Verana to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there wasn't. I mean, the the biggest trade that we were looking forward to on Friday was um, JVR. And, and 
he didn't move. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that gives you some sense of of um, yeah. It, it was it was it was a, a painful. It was exciting during the week, and and yes. and social media was a blaze uh, during the week. Uh, but uh, not much happening on the Friday. And something tells me this could, we we have seen this over the last couple of years that it's started to inch this way, that trade deadline day has been less active in last, in the last couple of years than, than before. This year sets a new precedent. And I would, I would wager a guess that this is going to start to become the trend um, that GM's, say, you know, the week of the deadline, let's just start getting stuff done. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see if the networks then have to kind of pivot uh, their how much time they devote. And because, and, I mean, nine hours is a lot for TSN um, when it's maybe not warranted. So um, also just want to. And, si- and I just say that that some with, with respect to that, some general managers got caught um, unaware that that this was it, it really disrupted their hands and and uh that that will lead us into <coughs> yeah yeah um, but Sorry, but yeah they got caught with their throat. pants down yeah uh, for sure uh just want a little stick tap to bruce boudreaux <laughs> yeah um good good on them for getting boudreaux uh who is just uh, he's just a delightful personality and he's a great storyteller and and having him on uh and who landed ryan gets left somebody 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 got no, it wasn't Getzlaff. It was um, yeah, it was Getzlaff. It was Getzlaff and and, uh, and B. That's um, right on um, Sportsnet. On yeah. Sportsnet, so so some great uh, personality additions this year. Um, NHL Network really, uh, no offense to that to that crew, but they ought to just take the Sportsnet feed for <laughs> the entire day. And ESPN, sorry, um, one one panelist in particular drives me up an absolute wall uh, and I would have been fine with them taking the TSN coverage for the whole day. Um, I, I understand ESPN and NHL network have to have to do some of their own original content on, on trade deadline day, but uh, sorry, you're just not, just not at the level of TSN and sports yet. Uh, and I'll just say the TSN, if you needed any more evidence um, that, that things were happening prior to Friday's deadline, TSN couldn't even wait until Friday to, <laughs> to debut, their <laughs> debut their cheesy video, the Bad for Bedard video. Which well, I could which only get through 35 right. seconds yeah, of before was, I had yeah, to turn it, it off. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. But they had to release that ahead of time um, in order to have maximum Well, because I think they knew that half the public wasn't going to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were going to bail. Yeah. Um, before we head to break, just want to wish a very, very happy 91st birthday to Mr. Dick Irvin Jr., 91 years old today. Dick Irvin Jr., an absolute broadcasting legend, um, and for for many, many, many Habs fans, um, there was none better than, than Dally Ga- Danny Gallivan with Dick Irvin. The two of them were just magic <laughs> uh, broadcasting Canadians games. Um, Dick Irvin was just always as a color guy. He was he was quick. Um, he was quick witted and a a good kind of uh, companion of Danny Gallivan. And and uh, it was last year uh, when um, Marty St. Louis was hired that that they went to Dick, who was um, was ninety, and 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 said, "What do you think? What do you think of this uh, Marty St. Louis hire?" 
um, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, Marty St. Louis coach Bantam and, and Dick said, uh, well, you know what? I coached Bantam hockey in Mount Royal for 12 years. Maybe I have more coaching credentials than him. <laughs> and he laughed, <laughs> which, um, yeah, if, if you still have your wits about you at that age, uh, good for him. And, and, uh, I met him, I met him once and, and he signed a book for me and, uh, uh, just a wonderful gentleman, a classy gentleman, and one of the best ever. Happy birthday to Dick Irvin Jr. All right, we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection. Still to come, uh, we're going to have a question of the week for you coming up in the third segment, which is one we're dying to hear your responses to. Um, but first, uh, coming, we've got coming up next in our big topic segment, we are going to talk about the Canadians trade deadline, wrap it up, analyze it, Grade it, take a look at the whole league, uh, and discuss all of the ins and outs of it. So you don't want to miss that. Right now, we're going to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings, so stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Whether you're a fan of the Sixers, the Raptors, the Cavs, the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever your team is, you know, just Line up a same-game parlay and see what happens. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. My name is Amy Johnson, and you can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. With me, of course, in the studio is our president and founder here at Rocket Sports. His name is Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. More importantly, be sure to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And as a reminder, if you haven't done so already and you're enjoying this show, uh, you want to hear more of it each and every Saturday, then just remember to tap that subscribe button uh, to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast right there in the player you're listening to or in your favorite podcast app. Uh, And uh, we'll be glad to uh, welcome you to the show each and every week. All right. It's that time. Trade deadline. Report cards, mm-hmm. winners and losers. Do we do the winner? So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Canadians in a minute. In a minute. First, we're just gonna kind of look at the deadline overall. Do we start with the losers or do we start with the winners? Um, a mix of yeah. You can start winners, I guess. Start the start with the winners. Okay. Um, and, and just looking, uh, just checking the the stats. Um, forty three trades league wide 
in the the two weeks leading up to uh, trade deadline day, March third, trade deadline day, nineteen more trades. So um, this this was heavily weighted. These trades happened early, relatively early. That's correct. Um, and I would have to say, um, I would have to say Boston did well, New Jersey did well. Um, Toronto, Kyle Dubas was a man possessed throwing throwing spaghetti at the wall at this point um but 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 did a lot he was active um and and got a lot done and the rangers getting patty kane and and tarasenko i know patrick kane's got still maybe got some question marks and and so forth but that's that's a big those are those are two big gets for the new york rangers yeah and and reluctantly, this this is a Canadians podcast, so we it don't is. want to throw too many bouquet, bouquets towards Canadians rivals. But my goodness, Boston, yeah, um, the 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 season that they're having, and for them t- to get Orlov and Hathaway Bertuzzi, mm-hmm. um, the the way they played um, uh, Columbus, and 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 this was a signal. This was a big signal that Columbus sat back and said. Uh, uh, they kept the price high on on Gavrikov, and and uh, you're going to have to pay us. And uh, that was kind of they assumed that Boston would 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 offer the moon, um, that they were solely locked in on Gavrikov, and Boston said um, no thanks, uh, see you later, uh, and went to the Washington Capitals and mm-hmm. and made a very good deal, um, and left uh, uh, Columbus holding the bag, and then they had to scramble. Um, with their trade. Um, and in the midst of all that, Boston signs pasta to a gigantic contract. Yeah. Um, New Jersey Devils getting, you know, the 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 maybe the crown jewel of, of the trade deadline in Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ottawa. Um, Ottawa. You know, the, the uh, again, uh, here's a situation where... Um, uh, Jacob Chikrin was on the market for like 18 months uh, and uh, Arizona asking absolutely astronomical prices. Everybody walks away from from uh, Arizona and Ottawa's l- s- s- there uh, and able to to pick up Jacob Chikrin for far, far less than than the ask, the original ask. Uh, so good on on. Um, uh, Again, hard to say, but good on Pierre Dorian and and the Ottawa Senators. Um, St. Louis, uh, for them to decide, uh, you know, before this whole thing comes to a crashing, you know, finish here, um, we're going to move O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Mm -hmm. and Barbashev and um, uh, Toronto... Six players um, bringing in six yeah. new O'Reilly and McCabe and Shannon Achari and um, but if if you're a fan of the, the the Leafs and and I know we can all sit back and say oh yeah but in five years they're not going to have <laughs> but if 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 they get their first cup since sixty seven well if they get past the first round if they get I think past it, the first round be, Kyle Dubas still uh, has a job next year it's. Um, but in terms of, you know, for the most part, um, and, and that the trade deadline is set up for buyers. So the ones who win the trade deadline are going to be buyers, but mm-hmm. I think there were sellers that did well as well. Nashville, unbelievable return on Tanner, Janot. Um, yeah. 
they got a, a good value on on Niederreier. They traded uh, Ekholm. They traded Granlin. What seemed um, like every time you turned around, there was a trade, and oh, Nashville's on this one too. Nashville's on this one too. Yeah, tremendous. They they did. I think they did really well. So as far as sellers, I think uh, St. Louis did well. Nashville did well. Well, and the um, interesting thing with Nashville too is is Poyle is kind of setting up Barry Trotz now, right? Sure, sure. No, I, and 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 what a nice um, you know introduction yeah. uh, for Barry Trotz. Um, but but five picks for for Tanner uh, uh, Janot and and Nashville. So here's what Barry Trotz gets. Uh, Nashville picks ten times in the first four rounds of the 2023 <laughs> draft. That's crazy. It's it's crazy. Welcome um, to being a GM, Barry. Yeah, and and you said the Rangers to get. I don't think. Um, I think it was kind of an and or kind of thing, but mm-hmm. they for them to get both Tarasenko yep. and and Patrick Kane. That's. Uh, that's a pretty nice bit of business there, um, and and the Rangers fans are are pretty excited about that. Yeah, so, I think so too. Um, yeah, I I think there was a, a lot of teams that uh, that were winners. Um, again, um, both uh, you know Washington did well. Um, um, I thought I thought they they had a pretty good trade deadline. Uh, I, both on the 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 seller side and the and the buyer side, there were some there were some pretty good winners. Yeah, I thought so too. Steve Eiserman was certainly active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not sure sure. I think they kind of fall middle of the road with for for what they ended up with, but I but he certainly wasn't shying away from transactions. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was very interesting. On the flip side of that, there were some very obvious um, losers. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as it hurts me to say, the Philadelphia Flyers are probably at the top of that list. Um, or, bo- or bottom. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, or the bottom. Um, not getting JVR done. Uh, and apparently, I mean, there was a mad scramble. It was all but a done deal. And then suddenly it evaporated and Chuck Fletcher had no answers for it, really. Um, but there's Iserman again. Um, he... In order to bring in JVR, he wanted to move someone. Um, he wasn't able to get that done at the last time, so he said, "Okay, fine, I'll walk away." Um, he he did what he wanted to do, and Chuck Fletcher had no plan B, C, no. D, or E, uh, and so yeah, absolutely dismal. Uh, I mean, they moved Zach McEwen and uh, Patrick Brown, which is more than what we can say for the Canadians. Yeah, that's true. You got something for Patrick Brown. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. And uh, same for Zach McEwen. Um, Vancouver was a disaster. I, I don't, I, the yeah, amount of I people on Twitter doing. who said, what is Vancouver doing? No, I have no idea what they're doing. I, I don't know either. It, but, oh. And Ron Hextall, Pittsburgh fans are, <laughs> Pittsburgh fans are getting well acquainted with a Ron Hextall trade deadline and, and Philadelphia fans are sitting down at the other end of the turnpike going, uh, we told you. <laughs> so Granlin um, and Benino at forward, and they bring in Dmitry Kulikov, um, and that's that's their trade deadline. I did, mm. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. It was. That's that's who that's who rounds out my list of the um, less than impressive. Yeah, there's one more on my list, but I, I think we're <laughs> we're getting to it in in, in a minute. Oh, we yeah, well, um, we mentioned them yeah, briefly. Yeah. Um, before we yeah, get there, 
go ahead. Before we get there, I just want to say that I did actually have one more winner. All right. It's an honorable mention, but it's an important one. Okay. On Wednesday, I believe it was Wednesday. On Wednesday, yeah, because all of the all of these crazy trades start heating up, right? Um, and the league is just on fire by midweek with transactions happening left and right. And we've talked about before how here at Rocket Sports we have our private team group chat on Slack. And so, of course, as all of these big trades are happening and all of these crazy creative trades and three-team trades and whatnot are flying around this week, our Rick Stevens comes in and says something to the effect, I don't have the, the message right in front of me, but the something to the effect of the number of trades this week has been absolutely mind-boggling so far. Now, keep in mind, this is Wednesday. This is March 1st. And he then goes on to say, it's possible that we only there's nothing left for us to analyze on Friday except a Nate Schnarr trade. Yeah. And <laughs> the fact that the only trade I don't <laughs> consider being a third third party broker yeah, on Nick Bonino a trade. The only trade that the Canadians brokered on Friday was only one. And it was Nate Schnarr means that I have to make Rick Stevens an honorary <laughs> winner of the trade deadline because how you pulled that out of a hat, I mean, shame on you for not, like, was there a DraftKings category for that that you could have won <laughs> a buco bucks on that? I yeah. mean, nice job. Yeah, um, Wednesday at, at dinner time uh, <laughs> at 618, oh, posted to, to, to Slack uh, after the crazy two days of Tuesday and Friday and Wednesday, um, I, I mean, we could all see what was happening. Yeah. Uh, and my my uh, focus, of course, is the Montreal Canadiens. And I was getting very worried for, for Kent Hughes. Said so many significant trades the past two days, we might be left to analyzing a Nate Schnarr trade on Friday. And, and <laughs> strangely enough, um, it, it That's it exactly happened. what materialized. Yeah. So I don't know if we congratulate you or blame you. Yeah, it's. it's, it's <laughs> Did it's you put the bad juju or, out or into sad. the universe, yeah, yeah, or yeah. or or what? My fault. Blame me. But congratulations, I'm I'm making you a winner. <laughs> making you. you a winner. Thanks. And I much. thought everybody should know that you called that 48 hours in advance. Yeah. Not only that HNR was going to be on the trading block and and go, but that he would be like the only thing left to talk about. <laughs> that was uh, fun. So, so yes, that brings us to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and it really essentially means that they made one move that affects the Montreal Canadiens at the deadline. This is the Montreal Canadiens who, when we talked about this in the preseason in September, it's a rebuild year. We know what it's going to look like. It's going to be focused on development. And at the trade deadline, they are going to be sellers. That is when... Uh, the the shape of the Canadians roster is going to start to go under some serious renovation. Um, and fast forward four and a half months later, five months later, and they made one move that affects the Montreal Canadiens roster. And that was Evgeny Dadnoff out, Denis Gurionov in. This is, um, for the trade deadline, 
um, it kind of breaks down uh, across the league where where there's kind of eight teams who are firm buyers. Um, they're they're going for it. They're they're uh, they're loading up, um, and and they're the ones who are the real Stanley Cup contenders. And and we we kind of saw that again uh, this year, particularly the top six in the East uh, that really loaded up. Um, there's about 16 teams kind of in the mushy middle that, you know, they could, they could add, they could sell, they could, they're, they're on the, on the, the, you know, a foot in both sides in, in, in either camp. Uh, and then there's eight teams at the bottom who are firm sellers and, and the Canadians are obviously, and they have been for some time. And we've known for some time that they are a firm seller. Mm-hmm. Um, for for a for a fan of the Montreal Canadiens or for any franchise, you hope that your team is not in that category of being a firm seller. Not you don't want them there too often because it means you're at the bottom of the league. So when a team is an obvious seller, they've got to maximize that opportunity. They really got to maximize it. Um and we saw that last last year for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. um, the returns that uh, um, and and I I, sh- I I should throw Jeff Gordon uh, into it as well. It wasn't just Kent Hughes; it was it was Jeff Gordon. But the returns they got last year to to jumpstart the rebuild were tremendous. Um, Brett Kulak yep. um, uh, going to Edmonton. Um, and and getting uh, uh, um, a second round pick, Arturi Lekkinen to Colorado, uh, Justin Barron, um, it, it all of these all of the the work that they did last year, and I gave them a, a rating of excellent. Um, yeah, we discussed it last year on the show. Like it was it was a okay, nice job, Kent Hughes. Way to come in for your first trade deadline. Yeah, Tyler Toffoli for a first-round pick, which becomes uh, Philippe Machar. Yeah. Emil Heineman, um, Ben Sherratt for Ty Simlanik, and that first-round pick for this year. Um, and uh, the the Brett Kulak trade, that second-round pick turned out to be Lane Hudson. Right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, the caveat that, you know, I, I added last year at this time when you and I analyzed uh the March 26, 2022 uh, trade deadline. And if you want to go back and hear it, it's it's Canadians Connection episode 184. And you went back and, and listened to this to kind of refresh your memory. That's right. Um, and what I said there was excellent, well, uh, well done. Um, uh, but the caution was that the moves that were made were the easy ones. They were they were the the expected one. They were the, the easy ones. ones yeah. Um. And and last last trade deadline, uh, we saw the strategy. Kent Hughes just sat back and uh, waited for the buyers to come to him. And his strategy was no, 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 not trading, not trading the Arturi Lekkinen, not trading, not trading. And then fifteen minutes before, uh, he got a big he got the price that he wanted, um, for Arturi Lekkinen. Um, and from Josh Sackick and and traded him Colorado, and that was his strategy last year. And I said, uh, "There's a ton. Those moves were excellent, but they were easy. And there's a lot more that has to be done to free up cap space, to free up the obstacles, uh, the hurdles uh, that are in the way for that is 
uh, players who are not going to be part of of the re, of the um, the refurbished roster, mm-hmm. getting in the way of prospects um, and bringing in uh, trade assets. There was still a ton more work to be done, um, and and we hope that that some of those moves would come last summer, but but for sure at this trade deadline, um, and and so if we're if we're grading Kent Hughes with all those excellent moves last year um, as excellent, how do we tra- how do we grade him as as good or excellent again this year when he accomplished just one move? But Rick injuries, but there were injuries, didn't you hear? And yes, there was Sean Monahan getting injured, still injured, no projection on his injury, don't know don't know what's going on. Sean Monahan not being able to f- be flipped at this trade deadline is a huge disappointment. Yes. And there's nothing that Kent Hughes could do about that. And there's nothing that he could have done to foresee that that was going to happen. Um so no one is blaming him for the fact that he couldn't get Sean Monahan done. I'd like to know why Joel Edmondson again didn't get done. And there was lots of time. Yes, for the last um, month, uh, Joel Edmondson hasn't been in the lineup, but he was, as we talked about on last week's Canadians Connection. Uh, that was a big mistake because we know, and we know it from from Kent Hughes, that he started getting um, offers in December uh, for Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson was in the lineup for December. He was in the lineup for January. Uh, Joel Edmondson could have been traded any time and got a, a good offer. Uh, but uh, we, 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 we heard from right from Kent Hughes uh, that he wanted to wait until the deadline when there when because there was in his estimation, there were teams that were cash strapped. Uh, that that couldn't make a bid on Joel Edmondson, and they couldn't do that until uh, you know how it works with the prorating of of uh, the closer you get to the end of the season and the closer you get to the trade deadline. He figured that there would be more uh, bidders, and he w- w- got a little greedy and and waited uh, waited much too long. And then by the time the that Edmondson was back. Uh, he did get some offers. We know that. We heard it from his mouth again that he did get offers for Edmondson on Friday, uh, but they were much less than what he was getting um, in December and January, and he wasn't he wasn't willing to to go that low. But that was because all the teams who had been bidders uh, had already made their their commitments to other players. They had gone on and, and moved on. Um, well, it's it's kind of two things here. I think I think he made two egregious errors with with Joel Edmondson. Yes, first off, um, you didn't sell him when you could because you didn't you didn't think that you were you wanted to wait until you could get more money for him. Um, that's a gamble, particularly that's a gamble that you're going to take, knowing that a player could get injured and a player who has a back injury and and recurring injuries. Uh, that's a gamble you're going to take, and he lost that gamble. And so the then then he gets healthy, he gets back in for a game, and you're taking calls, and they're much less. Yes, to your point, Rick, uh, part of that is because um, those bidders have now gone on and committed money elsewhere, committed to other players and so forth, but they also now realize that Joel Edmondson is much more of an injury risk. And so, no, they're not going to pay as much money for him now as they could have 
as they would have back in December or January before his back issue cropped up again. Uh, and you say money in, in a colloquial term. Yes, assets, yes, 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 uh, assets. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that, I think that Kent Hughes absolutely dropped the ball on trading away Joel Edmondson, not once, but twice, uh, dropped the ball by not getting it done early and dropped the ball by not settling for, for whatever his trade value had dropped down to in the last, you know, 48 hours before the deadline was up. Let's deal with the injury, uh, um, excuse and, and, um, for the most part, it's Montreal media who are using that, calling um, Ken Hughes handcuffed. Well, he wasn't really. There was one injury, one, Sean one injury uh, that prevented uh, a trade, and that was Sean Monahan, um, and and that's unfortunate. There was one injury in Chicago, Jonathan Taves. Well, an uh, an illness, uh, but but same thing that kept um, uh, Kyle Davidson from trading. Um, he couldn't trade Jonathan Taves as he had intended to. So what did he do? Did he say, oh, I'm handcuffed. I'm completely handcuffed. I can't do anything. No. No. <laughs> no, he had actually no, he, a decent trade deadline. He traded Patrick Kane. He traded Max Domi. He traded Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, Jack Johnson. What did he get? A first-round pick, a conditional second that can become um, a first round pick, three more second round picks, two fourth round picks. Um, that isn't somebody who said, mm, I, I, you know, um, one of my prime trade assets is is uh, unavailable. Uh, so I'm going to sit this this uh, um, trade deadline out. No, he you 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 know, you play the hand you're dealt. Um, that's right. And and that's it's really unfortunate to me. That um, that there are so many excuses. Listen, if 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 you want to hear it from from um, uh, um, Hughes himself, Kent Hughes said, "I'm disappointed. I wish I had made one or two trades, but I couldn't find a deal to advance the team in a competitive way." That means uh, that he would have liked to have, have made the trades, but he realizes now that. Um, uh, that that it just got away from him. It it really just got away from him, and he didn't. Um, he he was employing the same strategy: sit back, um, you know, let the the bidders come to him, and um, the the market moved much quicker. And and by Friday, um, everything had all the the big uh, trades had been settled. Absolutely, um, you know, you look at somebody like. Um Somebody like Dvorak could have been dealt. Um, I understand that he talked about the fact that nobody wants to take on Jonathan Duran's $5.5 million contract. I wouldn't want to either, but uh, if you can be an active third-party participant to help somebody else make a trade and and help with the financial financial part of that, uh, then then know that Jonathan Duran is, is not part of your future. He's not going to be part of your future. And if you can, you know, this is where you've got to work the phones. You've got to go out and see if you can find somebody to help you um, share some of the, the Duran salary to, to make him more appealing to someone else to take him on for their roster. Um, There were moves to be made. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exceptionally disappointed uh, that, that what 
transpired was, as you aptly titled this uh, podcast episode, just a big fizzle. Yeah, and I think that um, if you're a seller, if you're a firm seller, as we described, the Canadians are in that category, um, sure, you can wait and and keep your powder dry until the summer and revisit some trades and um, and and hope that there are more uh, more interested. However, that doesn't work uh, for those players who might, um, you know, you want to you want to you want to take advantage of all those impulse buyers, um, and and a Mike Hoffman, uh, uh, you know, Mike Hoffman is not uh, someone who would attract attention of of someone who's building the roster for next season and seeing him as a, a player who's going to be there the entire season. Um, necessarily, but you think, ah, oh, I might need a Mike Hoffman for my power play. I might need him for the playoffs. He's been playing decently the last six weeks or so. And yeah, um, I'll take him and, and, and he'll help for the, the playoff run. And then I'll deal with, um, you know, his contract next year, getting rid of him. Um, you know, the, in the same way, um, um, you know, that, 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 that's momentum that that's going on. You want to take advantage of that. Um, um, talking about trade assets, the Canadians had tons of trade assets. Josh Anderson, we know yes. that that the uh, phone was ringing off the hook about uh, Josh Anderson. Now, Josh Anderson, if he's traded um, in the summer, I will I will uh, praise uh, uh, Kent Hughes uh, for that. Uh, David Savard, David Savard again, mm-hmm. maybe not a player that you want to be burdened with for the entire year, but. Uh, could be one of those guys you look for uh, for his ability to perform in the playoffs, to block shots, uh, to be tough in front of the net, uh, staying at home. Christian Dvorak, um, could he have been a trade asset? Um, uh, one of the goaltender um, yes. could have been a, a trade asset. And when you look at the trades that happened, when you look at the trades that happened, mm-hmm. and... and um, it's amazing to me when people say that the Canadians had no trade assets. Look at Curtis Lazar <laughs> went to uh, a playoff bound team. What is, what is uh, um, uh, New Jersey need Curtis Lazar for, um, you know, a, a fourth line player um, who's had a, you know, a, a bit of a checker pass, but who can win faceoffs, can be tough, uh, can hit, uh, can block some shots. Um, New Jersey gave up a fourth round pick for Curtis Lazar. Um, you can't tell me that you couldn't have gotten at least that or a third for, for some of the guys that the Habs could have shopped. You look at Pat Verbeek with Anaheim, the Canadians just playing, uh, Anaheim. Uh, they had UFAs in, in Klingberg and, and Kulikov, uh, that they were able to, to, uh, on a, on a team that's, that's, uh, having a miserable season and those players aren't aren't having good seasons as a result, but they were on expiring contracts. He was able to trade them. The, the f- most fascinating story to me uh, of, of when we say, um, you know, a team doesn't have any assets, uh, uh, Canadians don't have any assets, um, is a player that Anaheim traded by the name of Henry Thrun. Who's Henry Thrun? He's a 21-year-old defenseman, um, who's playing for Harvard. He's Harvard's captain right now. And um, for whatever reason, he was drafted 
um, in in the fourth round in 2019 by Anaheim. For whatever reason, uh, Henry Thrun has said to Anaheim, "I won't sign with you. I'm not gonna. I just want to let you know when the deadline's up in in August, mid August. I'm not I'm not signing with you. Um, so if you can trade me, uh, I'd appreciate that." That's tough. Talk about handcuff. Talk yeah. about one hand behind your back. Pat Verbeek then has to uh, go and trade uh, a young man that they spent a fourth round pick on um, who doesn't want to be there. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. He got a third round pick mm-hmm. uh, for for Henry. A third round. Would the Canadians love a third round pick? Sure. Um, you know, there's there's a creative general manager who knows his assets, who's built relationships and is able to, to make a deal that helps his, um, his club. Uh, so I don't want to hear this, that, that the Canadian didn't, the Canadians didn't have any, uh, trade assets. They had a ton of them. Well, and I also think it's important to note, um, we've kind of not focused at all on the actual trade that he did make, which was the Denov Gurianov. Yeah. Because Gurianov, as you aptly kind of pointed out when the trade happened, um, the the guys on the ground, the beat the beat guys in Dallas made it very well known when this trade happened that the rumblings in Dallas were that they were not going to... He's an RFA. He's a pending RFA this summer. And there was a very good chance that Dallas wasn't going to qualify him. There was virtually zero chance. And um, that does not happen very often, um, for a young prospect who was a such a high draft pick that they're not going to get qualified. Yeah. Um, and so that's who Kent Hughes went and got for Evgeny Dadnoff. So, um, yeah, this this is... Um, if For Dadanoff, the ask, we know, uh, the ask for Dadanoff was a third-round pick. Uh, would the Canadians have preferred to get a third-round pick over a, a Gurionov? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think we'd all agree on that. Um, but if it's a fourth-round pick that is all that they were able to get versus a, a Gurionov, um, uh, okay, maybe it's uh, it's a, a coin flip. Um, and 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 yes, he's seen as a as a project, but he's going to be twenty-six um, in June. Uh, it's not like a, a Kirby Doc 21-year-old project. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who we know who he is. We at, at Dallas knows very well who he is. Can he, can he um, you know, change? Can, he, can, can uh, the move to a new team, to a new coach, uh, tw- trigger a, a player to, to achieve his potential? Well, that, that's possible. Um, it should be noticed that Gurionov has been through three coaches, three different coaches in Dallas, um, and they've not got anything out of him. He's he's been some very good ones. <laughs> yeah, he's been a fourth line player at best, um, and um, you know maximum thirty points uh, this year, uh, nine points in forty three games, um, and and he was he was a healthy scratch often. Um, so uh, the 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 issue is now what's going to happen for a player who was not going to be signed uh not going to be qualified as an RFA um 
uh, by by Dallas. What happens then? So he comes out. He wasn't going to be qualified. His qualifying offer has to be around three million. Uh, wasn't going to be qualified, so he comes out as a free agent. With that, those kind of numbers, what kind of free agent contract would he get? A million dollars, million and a half dollars? One year, a million and a half, probably. But now the Canadians have him, uh, and if they want to keep him, uh, they have to qualify him at $3 million. Uh, he's not a $3 million player right now. Uh, what is he? Um, well, he's, you know, at nine points... Um, that's, that's, that's a Michael Pozzetta, um, offense. Those are Michael Pozzetta offensive numbers without any of the physicality. He, he just, he, he doesn't, he, he's not a physical player. He just isn't. Um, he's, he's a speed demon. He can skate like the wind. Mm-hmm. He's got a tremendous shot. Um, but he's a defensive liability. So mm-hmm. you can't play him in your top six. Um, because you're well, playing... Well, unless you're Marty St. Louis, well, then he can play on the first line. <laughs> but those those players need to play some defense, too, because they're playing against the best offensive players of uh, the opposition. Uh, the other thing that is is really a giant red flag is his greatest weakness is hockey IQ. Um, he's just not... He does, He's not a smart player. He doesn't process... Uh, well on ice and when he's uh, corrected or you try to correct him or you give him um, corrections it doesn't stick Um, so you know we 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 and I think from what we've seen in a couple games he's been that's kind of true to form Mm -hmm. Um, he skates awfully well Um, he's got size but he doesn't use it he's a soft player um, he's got a tremendous shot, and he scored his first goal with a with a rocket. And on the defensive side, there's just no defensive game there as as well. Can Marty St. Louis get through to him um, and and help him? And Marty says he can teach hockey IQ. I'm not so sure. Well, yeah, I um, said on our YouTube show this week, you can't teach hockey IQ. That's most, natural instinct. Yeah, most people think that's the case, um, but uh, you know. This is this is um, a player that uh, is just a, a roll of the dice to see if in the last 20 games that the Canadians can make a, a decision on him. But like you remember last year, it was William Loggison coming in um, and they didn't quali- give him a qualifying offer. Don't be surprised if if he doesn't completely turn around in all aspects of his game if the Canadians just uh, let him go to be a free agent uh, this summer. And, you know, it's nothing, of course, this kind of analysis from, from both of us, it's, it's nothing against Dennis Gurionov personally or, or, or the, as the player it's analyzing, you know, how, how good or not good the trade was. And in terms of what it means for the Montreal Canadians, what it means for their roster, what it means for, the other guys that are in the lineup, the guys that are waiting to get into the lineup, uh, what it means for for the cap. It, it's it's a it's a holistic picture that you have to take, not just um, a Polaroid picture of one instant. You need to take a look at the at the at the broader spectrum. So, you know, would I love Dennis Gurionov to be a feel good story that comes to Montreal and he turns things around and he turns it into an incredible top six player? That would be tremendous. Um but I don't have a ton of confidence that that's going to happen. And, you know, juxtaposed with 
at what expense to prospects in the lineup or prospects who are waiting to get into the lineup and, and things of that nature, particularly if they spend the money to qualify him. Um, uh, let's just hover a bit. Um, you, you mentioned uh, prospects who are waiting to get in the lineup. If, if he's uh, qualified, that's the thing that I really worry about is that, that uh, Kent Hughes should be removing roadblocks for prospects. So what kind of, of player um, would um, you know, agree on off displace? Who doesn't get an opportunity? Who doesn't get an opportunity based on this? If you have a full, healthy lineup, uh, it might be a Harvey Pinard, it might be an Ulanen, or it might be uh, a 21-year-old Emil Heineman who is having a terrific season in Lexans right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that um, when I hear people say, um, you know, there's no downside to this. Uh, well. there, there is. <laughs> yeah. There is. There's absolutely a downside because you're putting roadblocks in place for your um, for your prospects. And, um, you know, folks say, well, if, if a player is good enough, uh, they'll they'll take the position, they'll grab the position. Mm, it well. doesn't, you'd like it to be that way. It doesn't always work that way. Doesn't always work that way. Now, to be sure, Dennis Gurionov, um, was was pleased with the trade. You know, obviously he had stagnated in Dallas. I think he the writing was on the wall there. He knew uh, that there wasn't going to be a lot of forward movement or upward projection of movement in Dallas. So this trade uh, certainly, I think, was welcome for him to come to the Canadians. And in fact, uh, he had a very positive reaction uh, when first asked uh, what it was, what it meant to him to to be moved to the Montreal Canadiens franchise. Yeah, no, I mean, I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm excited, you know, like, uh, like I said, new challenge for me, new team, you know, like uh, new fans, so new city, you know, like new country. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think he's excited. I think he's excited. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, when he was told that uh, he was traded, he's like, fine, I'm good to go. And, and why wouldn't he be a new opportunity? And, and as he said, to play for an original six team to uh, to play in fr- in a new country, to play in a hockey mad city, um, he's he's very excited, and he's getting an, uh, a great opportunity—the kind of opportunity he wouldn't have received in Dallas. Absolutely. Now there was, you know, people will say, "But wait, there was another move that Kent Hughes made on Friday." Well, okay, if you want to consider that he's that he that that he agreed to pay seventy six cents off of Nick Benino's. Um, salary then then yes we can consider that um a little bit more than that but really a drop in the bucket uh the Montreal Canadiens being the third party broker broker for the Nick Benino trade um and i think and it's it comes out to what like $26,000 or something like it's 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 uh, $200,000 $200,000 I think. okay just add another digit but in the grand scheme of things it's not a lot of money um and so and so they did yes they did do that. I don't. I don't really know. I don't really know what that does, because um, Kent Hughes certainly didn't get any favors right now out of that. Maybe he thinks he's going to call that favor in at some other point. Um, but it certainly it wasn't certainly anything that he used to his advantage uh, for this trade deadline. So, um, yeah, he got a fifth round pick from San Jose um, to, for taking on fifty percent of the salary, um, and and. Um, you know the the Tony Soon from from Rogel, uh, that's he's a 27 year old uh, player who's um, 
unlikely Who's to going to keep playing yeah, in Rogel. <laughs> he's, he's never coming to to North America. No. Um, so it was for for me for all intents and purposes. Uh, okay, great. You got you got a fourth, fifth round pick out of it, but uh, that that move to me was a bit of a big nothing burger. Um, Being a cap broker was something that was um, was something that was important to uh, to to try and use their their cap to or use their LTIR cap, I guess, in order to um, get some assets here, uh, a fifth round pick uh, doing it. Um, you know, there there were three opportunities uh, to retain salary. So they retained part of Nick Bonino's salary. They retained part of uh, Evgeny Dadanov's salary. Yeah. And uh, one slot was reserved in case there's a, a trade available Around the trade, uh, around the uh, NHL draft that requires uh, retention of salary. That's right. Um, so you know, all in all, I think I think it's safe to say, for as far as these two hosts go, uh, disappointed with the outcome of this trade deadline. Uh, I think there was a lot of potential of. Uh, it's just about, you know, plan A wasn't going to happen. Plan B might not have even been able to happen. But there were there were some opportunities for uh, some creativity. And, and there certainly were assets that could have been moved. Um, and not just for the sake of trading. We're not talking about just make trades for the sake of making nope. trades. Nope. Um, there were legitimately some things that could have been done with the roster to help at least move the needle a little bit towards... Uh, towards what they need to do in this rebuild. Um, Again, there were there are multiple goals. Um, they were getting assets. Um, there were um, um, relieving some of the cap pressure um, from all the, the the leftover contracts and moving some of those contracts uh, that who of, of players who aren't going to be part of of uh, the solution when when the Canadians become a, a contender. Uh, or a, a perpetual winner, as as they like to say, uh, and the other is to remove um, any kind of log jams in your lineup for your prospects to take advantage of. Um, and that one, um, you know, the we're going to uh, hear from from Joel Edmondson, but not moving Joel Edmondson, not moving yep. uh, David Savard is one that is going to have to be solved before. Uh, next season. Yep. Um, it wasn't solved at the trade deadline. It's going to have to be resolved somehow in the um, uh, in the offseason, I expect. Now, I've heard a thousand times, well, you just hold on to Joel Edmondson and do this all over again at next trade deadline. One is um, he's not going to be healthy by the next trade deadline. We'll hear from him why. Um, the other thing is that takes a spot all or, or for the majority of next season. Yep. So if you have three veterans, Mike Matheson's going to be in the lineup. Uh, we know that. Uh, Savard is going to be in the lineup next season. We know that. Uh, that means Edmondson is is uh, going to be in the lineup. And this is assuming a healthy roster. Um, that leaves three positions. We're currently four guys, right? Well, there's more than that. Caden Gooley, are you going to sit Caden Gooley? No. no. Uh, Jordan Harris, we talked about this last week. You're not going to sit no. him. Uh, so there's Justin Barron. There's Arbor Jackai, who's uh, likely going to be healthy and who's become a fan favorite and who fans demand uh, is in the lineup. Uh, Jonathan Kovacevic, who's been terrific and a great partner with uh, Jordan Harris. 
Uh, Logan Mayu, who, um, you know, uh, Frankie Bouillon says uh, is the next uh uh, defenseman who who will make the jump to uh, the NHL and is and plays on the right side, which uh, the Canadians need. And don't forget, Chris Weidman is still is still oh, that on the books, is still on under contract. Now there's things you can do. You can you can probably send him to Laval or or let him get claimed on waivers. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there's three uh, there's three spots open if you keep all those veterans. Um, for all of your rookies who have really developed and looked terrific this year. And have worked hard. And have worked hard and, and earned uh, a place in the roster. So I think, I, I don't think it's uh, um, it's uh, a good plan to have Joel Edmondson in your lineup next year and trade him at the trade deadline. And... Um... You know, it was it became well known that Joel Edmondson went and pleaded his case with with the Canadians management asking that he not be traded, which I, you know, I don't think anyone will admit to whether or not that played a factor, but uh, he made it known he did not want to be traded. He wanted to stay in Montreal. But uh, despite all of that, he certainly um, feeling a bit lighthearted after the after the trade deadline and 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 things of that nature and basically admitted look you know as far as my injuries go well um i ain't getting any younger uh, i think it's just i'm getting old so i gotta i just gotta <laughs> think I, I just gotta <laughs> on this team I, um, I just gotta you know every day you go to the rink you just gotta take care of your body um you use it every day and you know it's a it's a tough job it, it wears you down over the years so just taking care of your body and you know, I've learned that every year. I'm just doing more and more in the gym and in the treatment room. I'm on the table every day. So just using what I have around me. So does that sound like a player who has an injury, who is, is going to get that injury uh, taken care of, and he's going to be 100% afterwards? No, he's going to need to. He's going to have a chronic back issue that he's going to need to. He has to work around it now. He has a chronic back issue. It was it was an issue last season. It was, it's been an issue this season. It's not likely to get any better. Um, he said uh, very clearly, this is a tough job. Um, it's tough on your body. Um, your body wears down over time. Um, and and that I have to be on the table. I have to, to um, have treatment every day in order to play. Um, so this is something that's going to, going to be with, uh, Joel Edmondson. As far the other, uh, interesting thing is the, the media reported far and wide that Joel Edmondson had, um, wanted to said that he wanted to stay. Well, he told the, the, the media that he preferred to stay. He did not have a con- He confirmed that he hasn't had a conversation with Kent Hughes in over a month. Uh, and that was when Kent Hughes pulled uh, him aside as well as Josh Anderson and said, you know, um, there's trade rumors. That w- I'm getting tons of trade calls for you both. I just wanted you to be aware that there's a possibility that you could be moved. Um, so, yes, I think he's relieved. Um, I think I think he doubts himself as far as if he could go through the rigors of a very, very tough uh, playoff run. and and yeah. and what physical toll that would uh, take on his body. So I think he's he's relieved that he isn't moving, um, and uh, is just happy in the role uh, that he has. And that um, the difficulty is that for the last twenty games, he's going to have to prove to other teams because I don't think that 
uh, Ken Hughes can let this go. I think he has to move him, yeah. and uh, that case is going to have to be made in the next uh, uh, 20 games. Ken Hughes, of course, then met with the media about 30 minutes after the trade deadline had passed. Um, had had plenty to say, plenty of things that kind of sounded like something but weren't much of anything, but he did have this to say on how uh, the whole trade deadline played out for him this year. Try to make educated decisions about where to go based on, on the risk in your individual situation. And I, I think for certain teams... Uh, I guess the Islanders were probably the quickest, right, with with uh, Horvat to make a big move, and I'm sure they evaluated what um, what they were willing to pay and who they wanted to get, and ma- they made their move. And, and there was more teams that followed suit this year and did things quicker. Um, and it, maybe they look at it and say, we want players in and get them adjusted to our locker room and our team, and a little bit longer run up before the playoffs. So I think this is important because he's telling you how the market evolved and how it's it's he said this year how it's been diff- how it was different than it was for him uh in his first trade deadline his second trade deadline was very very different that um that that more teams got involved he said the the Islanders let it off and then lots more teams got involved and wanted to have those players wanted to get the guys uh that they wanted and and wanted to get them um with their with their their teams, um, this was this was a, I think a, a surprise for for Kent Hughes, and I think th- he came to this realization a little too late. So so and and that was expressed when he said, "I wish I had made one or two more trades." I agree. I wish you had too, Kent. <laughs> So, okay, so trade deadline has now come and gone. I think we're all a bit underwhelmed. Um, And now all that's left to do is say, well, on to the next. Um, Free agency should be interesting this summer. Uh, The draft will be interesting this summer. And, and of course, training camp next year will, will be interesting but there are still some things that have to uh, to look forward to this season. We're going to watch uh, the young prospects, how they continue to develop those who are still up with the NHL. Uh, as you said, it'll be it'll be fascinating to to watch Joel Edmondson to see if he can uh, put together, you know, uh, five five weeks or so of solid play to to kind of build his trade value back up. Um, Aside from that, though, there's a there's kind of this this thing hanging over Cole Caulfield, right? That's not surgery related. <laughs> yeah, the I, I think the you know that's for for Canadians fans, um, for for hockey ops staff, they're they're already turning their focus uh, towards the draft. And Kent Hughes talked about talked about his travel plans and going and scouting and and all of that. For fans, uh, they're they're hoping that he spends a little bit of time on the Cole Caulfield file and and that contract extension uh, gets signed. Uh, the two uh, parties say there's there's really no rush and they're not close um, at this point. Other things I guess for fans to keep an eye on in the last twenty games is uh, some individual milestones. Uh, you know Nick Suzuki could set a, a new points total for himself. Uh, there's uh, Kent Hughes talked about Sean Farrell. Uh, perhaps uh, joining the team late in the season for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, Laval Rocket, as part of the organization, uh, if um, they make a playoff run, uh, fans uh, can can follow our coverage there. So 
there are things that uh, before we start talking about next season uh, to clean up for the remainder of this season. And it'll uh, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Kind of the pressure's off, and now we'll just kind of see what happens over the remaining weeks of the season. Um, all right, we're going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection. We're going to let you have your say next. We've got a tremendous question of the week for you to answer uh, that we look forward to hearing your responses to. Uh, so after this brief message, we will get to all of that. So stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 233 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Don't forget, you can follow us at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And as we said at the top of the show, text us anytime if you've got uh, messages, if you've got feedback, suggestions, comments, questions. Text us at the Rocket Sports text line. You can find that at 585-3-ROCKET. Uh, what you need to know from Rocket Sports this week, I uh, mentioned that uh, a couple of things that I had talked about uh, this week on our YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel already, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Take it as a personal insult. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because I host uh, our weekly uh, Habs show there on our YouTube channel called Habs Hockey Report. Uh, this week I had an episode called Dennis Gurionov Grade the Trade, and I broke down uh, three pros and three cons of the Gurionov-Dadinov trade. 
uh, gave uh, gave them you know pros and cons and and graded the trade overall. So be sure to check that out. And hey, while you're there, hit subscribe. YouTube.com/slash/allhabs. A new episode of Habs Hockey Report every Thursday where. Uh, we talk about something, a hot topic related to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and and it's a lot of fun. And we've had a ton. We actually, this past, uh, this week's episode was our one-year anniversary. Uh, last week, we celebrated our 50th episode, uh, and so. Congratulations. A, thank you. Uh, and in that first year, um, we have uh, over 500 new subscribers in the first year. Well, that's great. Uh, and we would love for you to be one of We'd those. We love more in the second year yeah. yeah so if you haven't done so already so subscribe at youtube.com slash all and don't forget to subscribe to both of our podcasts both this one canadians connection.fm uh, and our ahl related podcast called the press zone you can find that at thepresszone.fm. uh this week rick great canadians connection question of the week they've uh, our listeners have heard us talk about all the reasons why we did or didn't like uh, the Montreal Canadiens' results at the 2023 trade deadline. Um, and uh, this week, we want to hear now what you all think grading Kent Hughes's work at the trade deadline this year. So send us a grade. Um, as, as Amy show said earlier, show your work. <laughs> and the other thing is, if you're leaving a text or if you're sending us an email, uh, why don't you tell us who you are, your first name, and where you're from? Uh, yeah. We always Habs fans are everywhere, and we're always happy to to uh, find uh, uh, other places where where uh, you're hiding. So uh, just let us know where you are. Coming up this week for the Canadians, they may have a rare Saturday night off, but that means uh, they have a Sunday game, which mm. is. Uh, some people might be excited, others might not. They're uh, finishing out their road trip in Vegas. They'll be playing the Golden Knights. I believe it's a 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Yeah, so watch that time start. Yeah, uh, on Sunday. Uh, and then they get back to a more normal schedule once they go back home. Tuesday, Thursday, uh, inviting Carolina in and the Rangers. So uh, two teams Yikes. that just bulked up at the trade well, deadline. <laughs> Vegas is pretty good uh, at the top of the the, the Western standings. Uh, Carolina and, and New York are having good seasons, so... Um, this is going to be a tough week for the Canadian. We knew this. We yeah. knew that yeah. uh, they have a difficult uh, schedule finishing the year, um, but this is going to be a very tough week. It definitely will. But you can guarantee, uh, you can you can absolutely expect that next week on Canadians Connection, uh, there'll be lots of information to break down everything that happens with the Montreal Canadiens uh, on and off the ice uh, this coming week. Michael Spinella will be back in the hosting chair. Uh, mm -hmm. So thank you so much to all of you listening and to you, Rick, for uh, letting me step in in uh, in place of him for this week. It was always fun to be here. It's always great to have you. You're welcome anytime. Why, thank you so much. And thanks to all of you just for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, we, uh, we couldn't do this without you. We enjoy bringing this to you each and every week. And we hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And we look back, uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next week for another fun episode of the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.